episode three of the exit strategy. Today we're going to be talking about the 2022 year-to-date exit overview in the general market today. The Chinese investments flowing into Silicon Valley. Adobe buys collaboration software Figma. Now let's hear the count. You're listening to Exit Strategy, a podcast that inspires open discussions about financial news and technology today. My name, Marcus McGarrian, a recovering SaaS vendor, joined by my co-hosts, Ralph DeFiori and Swata Kumumjar, where we're sitting down with startup founders, technology experts. Now let's begin. Welcome back, everybody. Episode three, The Exit Strategy. We're here again, the three of us, here to talk to you about things that are all involving exits. We're going to be more serious about our topic today, but I want to introduce myself, Marcus McGarrian. I'm your host, along with my co-host, Ralph DeFiori. Swatik Majum, they're happy to be here. Guys, you know how excited we are to be back. But This is like a weekly thing. This is like things we look forward to nowadays. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, how many articles have you guys read about everything we're trying to discuss? I devoted 30 minutes to it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, the, that's the word of wisdom right there. That's what happens when all you do all day is look at this kind of stuff. Anyway, we want to, we, we, you know, obviously we, let's start this out, right? Let's, let's, let's do what we set out to do. We want to talk about exits. Like what's happening in 2022. I mean, last year was like exit Palooza this year. You know, we're starting to see things that are happening. We we kind of went over a few numbers. We spent more than 30 minutes, guys. Come on. We're looking at things. And, and like when we we started looking at a lot of the data, like what's happening? Like, I mean, you're having the United States is still leading the charge. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. But exits across the border down, you know, European exits. Uh, what here? They're valued at about 120, 26 billion across all continental Europe. Uh, U.S. exits are at 490 billion across continental Europe. Uh, the number of exits in those two continents, uh, Europe is half of what the United States is. The United States is around 4,629 exits that happened this year. What's going on? What's with the drops in these numbers that are, we're going to be seeing? Well, I mean, I, I I guess the Fed's doing their job. Um, you know, it's not only. Uh, interest rates they're influencing they're influencing psychology um, investor psychology and um, marcus as you know we had a merger on the table and the acquirer oh, yeah. uh, told us that they uh, want to put it on the back burner now because uh, they're feeling the effects of the um, uh, economy slowing down on their uh, feeling the effects of their uh, on their company of the economy slowing down yeah that's those are the emails you 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 try to avoid right but for, oh, i'll say we look at the look at the numbers here france is down 44 percent from last year united kingdom down 70 percent germany down 76 percent versus 2021 i mean these numbers are going down but israel's at 15 percent positive that's some good news well, as you know, Israel's a powerhouse in technology. I don't know. I wish our numbers were as good as theirs, you know. But like, um, Swadik, what do you think of these numbers here? I mean, like, yeah. Well, I, I, I also believe these, these are this, these are functions of the market as well. Um, you know, you have two options with these companies: either they go the IPO route to get an exit, or they go merger. 
yeah. uh, or be acquired or acquire someone. Uh, from an acquisition point of view, obviously the um, the price earning has come down, has been much more compressed, uh, and the reality hasn't set in. These companies are not ready to accept that. And that's why they're waiting on the sidelines. And it's a question of who lasts longer, uh, you know, whether the IPO market opens up or not, or uh, are they in dire straits to, to exit? And we are seeing a lot of that happening. Uh, and if they do, uh, what kind of multiples they're exiting out at? Because 20, you know, 2019, you know, 2020 was obviously a wash year, but 2021, we saw the valuation start going up, the multiples start going up. They're being compressed now. So the reality hasn't set in. Uh, and that's why I think you see, you know, uh, the, the uh, drop in the exits. There's less euphoria is what it is. I mean, the numbers aren't so bad, but the thing is that, you know, you want you want things to keep going and pumping and everyone's excited. I mean, like there was a statistic I read a few years ago that's, that I think there was like 3,400, uh, 34,000 companies in the Wilshire or I'm sorry, 34, it was 3,400 in the Wilshire 5,000 today. But back in 1997, there was almost 7,500 stocks on the Wilshire 5,000. So the number of public stocks went down and I think it really went down when you started going into the credit crisis and all these things, then what we were hoping now that was going to be coming these year, these days is that more companies would start exiting in the stock market. But that's not the case. I mean, a lot of it is also M&A, but the, the go-go days of the IPOs that are coming out left and right in the 90s didn't really come back. You know, the SPAC, the SPAC market's basically going to start fizzling away by January 2023. What do you think? I mean, like we were hoping that the SPAC market was going to keep those exits going and moving and driving the economy forward. Well, I, I can tell you, uh, you need people, institutions to buy the stock. You know, if you're dealing with uh, mid caps, large caps, it costs money. You know, nobody, no, no company wants to be embarrassed by a uh, a failed IPO. Look at all the brouhaha there was around Facebook when it went public. Uh, I think it, uh, memory serves me, went public around 30 and it, then it got down to 20. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there's a cost to a failed IPO. And right now, People are trimming equities. They don't want to be in stock. So who's going to buy an IPO? And, you know, way before the IPO happens, the underwriters and the uh, company, they have to spend a lot of resources and uh, uh, capital on preparing for the IPO. And if it doesn't go off, uh, that's a complete waste. So, so they want to be sure they're they're coming into a welcoming environment, and so, we just don't have that now. Swadik, you see the numbers that I'm putting up here in front of you, right? The the yeah, total yeah, exits yeah. that happened in 2021, about 10,000, so 9,987 in the United States and in the European Union, and then the total exits we have up year to date now is about 7,169. That's not too bad, actually. Don't forget, 2020 is not over yet. 
Okay, a lot of stuff happened in the last quarter yeah. of this. You know, we just saw a big uh, merger today, right? I mean, acquisition of uh, Figma by yeah. Adobe. Adobe, yeah, it's a fantastic. You know, twenty billion dollars. Um, you know, they did the company which started twenty twelve. Uh, you know, the last the last fundraising private fundraising was, uh, I think, two years ago at at ten billion. And they were acquired at twenty uh, at at, at uh, twenty billion, but I see those numbers. I mean, you know, four hundred million recurring revenue—that's huge for a company to. So you know, I don't think I don't think uh, the year is over. I think you'll see. I don't think it'll be it'll be close to nine thousand. I'm surprised by that, that number, by the way, but I think it'll be very close to that number. It may not surpass the nine thousand. Ralph, in your experience, when you were because you work with the Chatsworth Securities. You did over 600 IPOs. When did most of the IPOs happen? What quarter? What uh, quarter? Yeah. A quarter that's like, this is the high season for, for IPOs and these aren't high. This is well, it was IPOs. really, it was really, um, you know, we started out in 96 and we launched, we organized in 96. We launched in 97 and 97, 98. 99 were amazing it's, mm. it was just an endless train of ipos you know everybody was excited about uh, the internet <laughs> so uh and, but there were other companies going public these were all ways for companies to raise capital right now the fed's got the uh, the foot on the brake That's not happening. Aggressive with these uh, interest rates. So, yeah. Red market to answer that question of yours, uh, which quarter? I, I personally, uh, if I had to anecdotally look at it, it would be probably the fourth quarter and the first quarter. Those are the most active active quarters for IPOs. So the first quarter and the fourth quarter. Correct. So we are entering into it in fifteen more days. So I'm expecting. That I'm expecting over 2,500 IPOs, Swadek, or exits. Well, not, not, no, we're not talking about IPOs in general. Well, exits we're talking also. about exits. Yeah. We're talking about different exits, activities, uh, either IPO or exits. Yeah, you'd see fourth quarter, you know, a lot of companies have to meet numbers. So the accretive numbers, they meet by acquisitions as well. Uh, they can they can book it in their books. And then you see the first quarter as well, you know, very active from an IPO perspective. So since moving to Europe, you know, we've been um, we've been speaking with people here in order to exit them in the United States or even attain capital in the United States. And one thing that with one of the tools that we have available to us, I was looking at, I was like, well, let's see how many European companies are exiting. And what I found interesting was that, you know, the last month when we did a presentation about uh, the exit and how Europeans could benefit by exiting the United States because they'll get higher multiples. When you have EU companies, so in 2021, you had 853 companies fund in the European Union funded by US institutions. And those exits amounted to 158.2 billion. And European companies funding European companies that exited in Europe they funded 2,415 of them. And the exit value, I'm sorry, they exited 2,415. The exit value was about the same as the few companies 
about a third or a fourth of the companies that were funded by U.S. institutions. So 158 billion by U.S. Uh, investments with at your uh, with European exits, or um, European VCs exiting their European investments produced 164. That's nothing. It's it just shows how in the United States we have an extremely powerful capital markets and ability for companies to exit. Well, the size the size of uh, the EU funding obviously uh, or uh, the exits were much smaller, and that's why you have that larger number there. I mean, but it's it's radical. It's like four times four times. It's like getting one fourth of your value for the for the investment. Well, I don't I. I, I don't know if you're reading the same numbers. You're looking at 2021 to 2415, correct? EU exit, yeah. right? That amounted to 64 uh, billion, 164 billion. Yeah. While uh, US exits, US funding EU exits were only 853. Uh, that amounted to 158. So obviously, uh, the numbers uh, of just pure EU are much higher in terms of companies. So they're smaller companies. Yeah, because... so the smaller pockets of investments, but the exit in, in its entirety, the company had a US funder, US invested in EU and EU investing in EU. The exit value was the same, which tells me that more people should be going to the United States. Even, even today we were looking on... Um, Somebody from one of my alumni from out here posted something stating how more and more European companies that are receiving seed Series A are just going straight to the United States because they know that the exit of it is significantly better. Yeah, I, I I agree to that. I mean, look at look at Israel. Uh, any Israel company, they're you know as uh, Ralph mentioned, they're a powerhouse as far as technology is concerned. Uh, their uh, pilot is always in Israel, but their focus or their eye. And the the you know market is always the U.S. That's the number one goal when they start the companies. Unbelievable. Well, let's. What do you you, you guys think? We drain this topic. Let's go. Let's go to the next one. Let's let's talk about the, the China. They've been flooding the U.S. markets with uh, with capital. You know, and I find it crazy because uh, you know China and Russia were meeting today. Um, but the Chinese are go-go for investing in uh, the United States and especially our VC startups. R Ralph has some response on that. Ralph? Maybe Russia's uh, gonna ask for uh, uh, 20 million mercenaries to help, uh, to help them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they, they got a lot of problems and um, if you go on um, the internet, you can find people uh, discussing what the problems are. Uh, demographics, as I mentioned, was one of them. Uh, also, uh, their property market, uh, their continued use of uh, draconian measures to try to combat COVID. And uh, don't forget also that they've spent the last uh, three years going after technology companies uh, where you have the, the head of a technology company. He says one thing wrong and, and, and the next month he's gone. <laughs> you know, they can't find them. So uh, they have they have issues. 
Well, they've, they've been a huge uh, buyer of uh, U.S. real estate. Uh, as a matter of the last two years, I think they've poured in, I don't know how many, several billion dollars uh, just on real estate. So they're, they're, they have a strategy. And, you know, I totally believe, uh, you know, obviously U.S. Um, and China's, you know, there's going to be, it's economic warfare. It's not military warfare, but economic warfare. That's the way they will wage or would like to wage the war, you know, and, you know, they have obviously a uh, majority of the treasury bills uh, of U.S. Um, you know, obviously they would not dump that anytime. It's like basically hurting them, their own selves. And they're, they're, you know, obviously economic trouble right now. Um, but they have, they have, Ralph is right. They have been investing in a lot of technology companies. Uh, and that's not new. That is, that has been their strategy for a very long time now. And it's, you think it's for the EB-5, you know, so they come stay in the United States or no? No, I think it's more for right to information on these companies. And, uh, you know, it, it could be anything. It could be uh, technology espionage. It could be anything. I mean, you know, uh, nothing, nothing is, uh, you know, uh, off the table. I, I love the TikTok conspiracy where it's like... Um, Every country except for China has a different algorithm where the Chinese get fed like exactly educational things that's going to send them to places like Harvard and uh, the United States. We get, um, I know, cat videos and I don't even know. I mean, because uh, I, I, exactly. I, I don't I don't get I, I use I watch TikTok. I don't get those. I don't get those things in my feed. All my feeds are like uh, about European food or like history because I keep blocking the other thing. Right. So it's it's your algorithm. Right. So if you start clicking on the the crazy cat and the crazy donkeys, you'll start getting them. Yeah, uh, if you do food, it's so funny. I mean, everybody does that. Facebook does that. You know, you go to, you know, uh, you go to a restaurant, uh, next, next day you see, you know, feeds from similar restaurants, or you meet someone and then you say, oh, you know, this person, you know, has so-and-so email, just send him, uh, you know, an invitation to join you. So every company does that today. I just think that you have with 1.4 billion people in a country like you have uh i think it's a better way you know how what kind of control or i don't know i i'm not smart enough in the uh social media space but i am waiting to see ralph do a TikTok dance because then i will yeah. <laughs> I, I, i'd pay for that i'd pay for that i uh i, I i've never been on TikTok, and i have no plans to be on TikTok. <laughs> it could be the first day of the rest of your life. Remember that, Ralph. Right. <laughs> but is well, the same uh, thing happening in other places? Like, is India doing the same thing in the United States? Or so I believe most of these companies have the same agenda. Uh, there is, there is not necessarily government. Obviously, China is probably. Uh, more government-driven policies. India is not. India is probably more from a consumer-based, uh, uh, you know, growth where they want to make sure uh, who's looking at their videos or who's interacting with their, uh, you know, text or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I think they're two different. But at the end of the day, it's the consumers, and we always say that nothing is free. The consumers, you are, you know, you are the one who's paying for it. Well. Let's talk about the big news that happened to this week with the Adobe buying uh, Figma. You know, Swadik, you were touching on that a little bit. I mean, it's it's an exciting thing. Be, 
before Chatsworth, I was working for a company in the same space, in the MarTech space. And it's uh, it's amazing how much larger that space is even versus like the fintech space, which is, it blows my mind. Swara, give us a feedback on what, what happened with this. With it's, this. So it's, it's uh, you know, obviously all these Adobe, they're all collaborative softwares now. Um, and the way the money comes in are, are SaaS models. Um, and these guys have, last what I read was they have about 400 million in recurring yearly revenue, which is fantastic. Uh, when you look at an ARR of that that magnitude, uh, that's fantastic. And they have a 150% retention rate for customers, which means once the customer comes, you know, they have that customer almost for life. So I would love to see what the CAC and the LTV is on this. Um, and I think based on that, you know, I think Adobe really so, uh, you know, there's a news that says it's a web-based collaborative design platform. I think it's a cloud-based. It's not web-based. It's a cloud-based uh, platform. Um, and that's why Adobe and, you know, so cloud-based, different uh, different illustrators and uh, producers from different teams can collaborate on the cloud for for design work. So that's fantastic. Um, it's I think it's uh, very valuable. Uh, what they were talking about their total addressable market value uh, would be would be uh, uh, sixteen or seventeen billion dollars in the next three years, which is huge. So if they're only four hundred million. Uh, you know, there's a huge upside. And that's why I think you, you know, uh, Adobe paid such a huge premium, uh, keeping in mind that they just did their last round of financing at 10 billion about two years ago. Do you think a part of that is an earnout of some sort? Or I mean, it's, it's just... well, so it's, it's stock and cash. So I don't yeah. think they split that. I'm sure it's more stock than cash. Because it hit it hit Adobe stock by 13%, it seems or uh, but I think that could be Adobe also, uh, their earnings uh, was kind of lower than expect uh, their, their analyst expectation. So I think that might play a role as well. Uh, yeah. And isn't Adobe going for a split or was that another company? Um, well, I I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if it was a split, but I, I know that it's pretty huge when you have 400 million recurring revenue with 90% gross margins. It's not something that uh, many companies could achieve because like, um, you know, it, it's just that you can grow, if you grow an ecosystem, which Adobe is a massive ecosystem with a, with a very powerful uh, user base, the, the growth potential is, is massive, but they paid a huge multiple for the company. I mean, Another company I saw that did this was um, it was an e-commerce company that bought uh, Depop. I forget the name of the company that bought it, but they paid twenty-eight times revenue. You know, and this but is you, you this have is to give it. right. You have to give. You just touch on the the right aspects of it. Yeah. You have to give premium on a ninety percent gross margin. You yeah. have to give uh, premium on. Uh, 400 million annual recurring revenues. You have to give, uh, you know, premium uh, on on retention, customer retention, um, you know, and the CAC and the LTV. So those are those are aspects which are fantastic. And plus, on top of that, you got to give premium on uh, the TAM. You know, TAM is pretty huge. And you know, I read somewhere a 16 point. 16.5 billion or 8 billion, I don't remember the exact number, uh, in by 2025. That's three years from now. That's huge. 
you know, so it was Etsy that paid for it. They paid they paid around 28 times and it was a, it was a huge deal. This one here, we're talking about almost 50 times revenue. I mean, like, um, I, I mean, look, during pre-COVID, MSA contracts were selling for 10x their value. Then they went up to 16x, depending, you know, maybe on 18, but 16 was the average number. And these numbers just keep going up. I mean, like, it's just like the more... The more funds I speak to, the more they want B2B, uh, SaaS, enterprise, you know, sticky contracts, recurring revenue. It's, uh, but it's becoming more and more funds are looking for the exact same thing. Um, and the that's the that, holy grail, right? Recurring grail. revenue. It's like free money. <laughs> it's like printing money. It's like uh, your own Federal Reserve using MarTech companies. Yeah, and, and variable uh, and, and verifiable income revenues right uh, oh, yeah. a lot of companies don't get don't get that so this this one has and adobe has been on the cutting edge of design uh and illustrated illustration uh so this this works i think this is a great acquisition for them yeah it's like really this is uh this reminds me of something i heard someone say that uh and and it's important for our country and especially middle america is uh you know he said basically why should i uh, invest in a manufacturing concern when it might take 30 or 40 years to reach a certain target of value you know enterprise value whereas the internet can create value very quickly now this company um Figma was founded 10 years ago. Exactly. And here they're selling out at $20 billion. It's exactly what that guy was saying. At 50X. So, <laughs> so how do how do we uh how do we get those deals? That's what I want to know. How do I get a 50X exit? <laughs> well, I, I want to know what's uh, your what 400 million doing? ARR, you'll get it with 90% uh, you know, um margin. Every SaaS, every SaaS vendor claims that their margins are 90 percent. it's like this is the exact when i when i was a SaaS vendor like i heard this all the time that it's like repeating repeating itself and everyone always wanted to go to places like uh you know the adobe's to exit or uh salesforce or uh, google etc cetera, etc cetera. the thing is just that once adobe buys this tech they're not going to buy a second time they're going to have to get another one that's maybe a little different or whatever but um you know, that's the whole thing of an ecosystem. Unless you have a very similar product, then you just buy the cash flow and those customers. But the multiples aren't going to be 50 yet. You know, like we, we in, in our business, we keep getting told by our, our, our clients, like we want the same exit and so-and-so and, so and they, the, the client will study all the multiples and look at the KPIs in the market and they'll say, that's what I want. And I was like, well, the, the company already bought their first move. They got the technology. You know, and like that's like a big thing. Once the once the strategic buys that technology, they so much need, it's done. True, but you know, I I would uh, let's leave this for a different conversation. But uh, you know, I've seen a lot of M and A's uh, go bad. It doesn't matter what kind of money uh, has been paid for it. And so maybe we should have that conversation in a, a different podcast as to how the integration works, like right? Whether well, it works or not. Learner. Oh, tons, tons of them. There's so many examples. And what went wrong? Why do, do they go wrong? And what can we learn from that Yeah, for the future? 
All right. Well, I, well, I, I want to finish up with what I was saying before I was so unexpectedly from my colleagues interrupted. Uh, the government's got to do something to get manufacture, manufacturing uh, going over here, you know, in some way to uh, enhance the incentives, uh, not only so that during a time of war, uh, we have our own products being manufactured here, but also to help uh, unemployment in the Midwest. Let me say, since I brought up unemployment, uh, let me say something uh, that I heard this morning, which I thought was brilliant. Um, this economist uh, was asked, uh, do you see a readjustment coming in the economy? And he cited uh, a couple of past events. He said, uh, you know, during the internet, internet boom, or, or it might have been the, the late uh, 70s when people were trading uh, small cap stocks. Uh, he says that that was weird. Everybody was investing in small cap stocks and making money and you knew things had to change. He said, then there was the housing bubble. Everybody was investing in housing and you knew something had to change, right? And he said, what's going on now is in employment. Nobody wants to go to work. Employees have incredible power, you know, right now. And it's likely something has to change to um, bring that back into line. And what that could be is a deep recession. And that was his point and the, and the market coming down. So, so Ralph, on that, on that, um, you know, bringing manufacturing back, uh, you know, the government can set all policies, uh, incentives. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, these companies that's out there has to innovate as well and be ready to, you know, pay for talent um, and be ready to, you know, have people, uh, you know, have you know, capable people uh, in positions. Uh, of power so that, you know, it streamlines the process. You know, they're doing a lot on the semiconductor side, uh, but you could call all the manufacturing of the world and say, well, let's manufacture here. If you don't have the rare earth, you don't have the raw materials, which is what China did really uh, well uh, early in the 80s and 90s to go and acquire all these different mineral rights from different countries, uh, which is what really drove that uh, you know, the semiconductor space. Uh, so we have to do more than just build manufacturing. We have to have a long-term um, view, take a long-term view uh, and a strategy how to build this. You know, we all these politicians do is do lip service. You know, I'm looking at, I'm reading news, uh, you know, the Florida government or the Texas governor sending busloads of immigrants from one uh, from one state to the other. What good is that doing? That's not really helping anybody. You know, it's it's detrimental to the country. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what what good it's doing. It's it's bringing a national exposure. I would say, uh, not that there wasn't any before, but this heightens the amount of news stories, good and bad, about it. 
And uh, that's the point that Texas is trying to make, that they've suffered Understood. Uh, yeah. for years. Yeah, yeah. And they, but I'm just saying it just it's it's free advertising for the problem. You know, that that's what the it's it's a recognition, the level of recognition in the mind share of the regular person uh, is higher now because these people land in Martha's Vineyard. I was wondering when they were going to do something like that. No, no, that's no, no. Sending I, people I, to Chicago and New York is one thing, but sending them to the backyard of uh, a politician—that's something altogether different. No, no, absolutely. I get the, I get the bottom line, but you know, we are looking at uh, problems. We have to look at solutions, right? And that's why you know we have to, we've got to look at it from one country perspective, not one. Uh, state perspective, but I understand why they're doing what they're doing, and I totally agree with them. Um, you know, it puts a huge uh, burden on a certain state, and the you know, and the central government is not helping out. So I, I get that part, the federal government. I get that part, but you know, we have to, at the end of the day, find a better solution um, to to that problem. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna I'm gonna start quite quitting the uh, the podcast now because it's starting to get to our thirty minute mark, and I want to just keep this tight. But thanks. Any last words for you guys? I want to thank everyone for listening. But uh, Ralph Swadek, anything you want to say? No, enjoyed uh, enjoyed it very much as usual. All Looking right. forward to the next one. So that's episode three of the Exit Strategy. We hope you guys enjoyed us. Add, subscribe, like, follow us. We look forward to seeing you the next time around.